0: Welcome. My name is Gina Timberman, and you are listening to Timber People, a podcast about people who, like timber, are strong, build and create, who gather us together like fuel that feeds fire. People who support structures of our community that uplift and protect. Today is a very special day. I have the great pleasure, the gift of welcoming. To the show, a friend of mine that I have known for many, many years since junior high. Actually, we were classmates from Mustang class of ninety two. Shout out to the Broncos. Welcome, Aaron Seymour.
1: Great, Tina. Glad to be here. It's fun.
0: What what I love is, you know, no matter how far away we go, where our journeys take us, you will talk about this. You've been up to Connecticut playing basketball, scholarship, you know, working with the business school at Fairfield University, um, really pioneering a new profession throughout your career. And I'm I'm excited today to talk about your passion too, but no matter where you're going, how long you've been there, you always come home. And that's really important because when I see you, I feel
1: like we've never skipped a beat. Yes, it really is a I think special place to grow up. And I think we had a lot of special people around us, um, in our friends in our families, um, and in our community. And I always feel like home right, is where all of those relationships are, you know, relationships to the, to our friends and to the space, um, and to just our childhood growing up and, in in those formative years and what we, screwed up then and laughed about and had fun and learned. Um, but then also as we um, matured and in and, and some ways didn't mature, and, and that's good too, um, is to um, just come back to each other.
0: It's the human experience. You know, I was telling someone the other day um, that we were going to visit on the podcast and my friend Lori said, you guys should really talk about how close you are and, she really had a point, you know, we had a really um, and still do have a very special class. There are a number of people who married one another within our class. There are people who still maintain very close knit friend groups. I love seeing on social media that, you know, friends of ours are still traveling and keeping up with one another and even engaging their families with one another with different experiences and whether it relates to school sports or social ways. And I like to say, and I just thought of this the other day is that we're like the St. Elmo's fire,
1: just bigger. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Listen, and I think no matter how much there is social media or other ways and new ways for us to like bring the barrier down of like connecting, I, I really don't think that's what it's been for our class. I do think that's a few key people more than others. I mean, everybody that we stay in contact with really does I think love each other and, and and wants to be in contact. But it's also easy to let life get in the way. And I think this is where you come in, Gina. I think this is where, um, as people have said on your podcast before, like you're a connector. You. Um, I think that's what you've always done when we were we were young, um, connecting and you still do to this day. And I think in many ways, and I you know, we'll talk to our friends, I think they'll agree that you're like one of the few people that were really instrumental in keeping us together. Um, whether it's class reunions or just people getting together for dinner or the fact that you maintain those relationships that when we, you know, talk to each other, I catch up on what everybody else is doing too. Um, so it's great.
0: Thank you. That really means so much um, to hear you say that. You know, that's what uh, reciprocity is really about. um, That's important in the relationships we have, that cyclical exchange of really giving and sharing. And, you know, I know that you have been um, out there serving as a mentor in the professional world to others. You've had, as we've discussed, um, mentors for you. And I love that you are participating in experiences that are really engaging you in learning more about poetry and um, you know really exploring the passion for poetry that you have and that you are a part of a community. I know the hat you're wearing for the listeners is the um, New York City Poetry Festival and I know you've been to different workshops and just to hear and to learn about your experiences It's really cool that you have a community of people that you're connecting with. It sounds like you're sharing with one another and um, they're um,
1: really inspiring to you. I'd love to hear about that. It really is a passion. I think it's a passion that's come on more in the last 10, 15 years um, than it was that I carried my whole life. Um, I think deep down for me, poetry saves um, I think it does that for me. I think it does it for many others. And I believe that, you know, I love running poetry groups. I love um, getting together and with friends and talking about poetry. Um, and I think it um, really has a lot to offer that many of us. I hated. I hated being in middle school. I remember <laughs> sitting in eighth grade. Um, you know, Mustang High uh, middle school talking about uh, the Raven or Casey at the Bat or whatever it was that we had to do at the time for memorizing or um, I hated it. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought it was um, miserable, but forced
0: creative exercises. Isn't that kind of an oxymoron, the forced creative?
1: (laughs) Well, it's really true. And it's so impersonal. Um, It's so impersonal. And so I think that, uh, you know, if I could grow to do something in the poetry world, while it doesn't need uh, advocates or champions, um, um, it speaks for itself in many ways. So that's what I would love to do is just really share with people, I think, what poetry can do or what it's done for me and just encourage more people to, to read it, um, to be with it. Um, it's just one of the mini arts, uh, music or, or other things. Um, but that's one thing that friends of mine uh, and I like to do is gather and go to poetry events just as we do concerts and many other things.
0: I think that poets are some of our most courageous creatives um, in the art world and in literature. You think about historically people like Alexander Posey um, or today's world, um, the great um, Joy Harjo, um, U.S. Poet Laureate, and others. And, you know, there are Poets who have really put themselves out there—it's really a vulnerable art to create beautiful words that express um, position and voice to civil rights, a response to realities, and generally
1: to the world around us. Both Oklahomans that you mentioned, um, and I agree. I mean, that's that's how I feel. I believe poetry. Um, can do those things for society. But I like often to try to bring it down to what it does for me. Mm-hmm. And um, because it can also feel distant. If I'm reading a poem um, that is really big and grand and about America or about freedom or about different concepts, I think those are very important and powerful. But for me, um, it's really the ones that you speak to me. It's where you know, somebody who has lived at a different time, uh, a different language, a different gender, a different set of circumstances, and yet they can say something that really hits me. And it resonates in a way that, hey, it's like I can say, hey, that I- I've right. had that, I, th- that right there, those words you're saying better um, for yourself than I have been able to say for myself in a similar moment. And I think that's where it really um, strikes and, and hits me. And I think that's one thing it does for me. I think there's three total that I would talk about, and that being the first. And I'm happy to, you know, talk more about any one of these individually. But then the second one is I think it really helps me reorient um, my sort of relation to, to others, to, to nature, to the world, um, and to myself being able to see differently. I think it brings fresh eyes. Um, It is a creative act. It is also a destructive act. Um, And I think the destruction it does is necessary. Um, Destructing like how we um, have seen things in the past or how we see or who we are today, which is one of the reasons why, you know, talk about Aristotle or many others, um, um, Plato who talk about, Um, the danger that poets can bring to a society, right? and Or can bring to your own self and to your own way that you hold things, that it can really crack that. Um, And I think the cracking is necessary um, and can be very powerful and moving.
0: You know, that cracking can be necessary and sometimes it is really essential to healing. You know, there are three words that come up as I hear you speak. Um, It's that remembrance... Um, That recalibration, you know, that moment where you just kind of realign, I guess. And then the resiliency, you know, that that's a process that um, it either precedes or um, really is a reflection of a healing or of the innate nature of cultures, individuals to transcend challenging times and to um, engage the strongest forces of human nature that have been provided to us by the creator
1: to get to get through things. Well said, very well said. Because um, once the cracking happens for me and I can start to question how I hold things and how I see myself, that I can also then move into this third stage, which is the imagination mm-hmm. and really able to use the imagination, um, as ways to create and think fresh and differently and weirdly and strangely and beautifully, um, about myself and my relationships with others and how I see the world. And so I think the imagination is just so necessary. I think the world comes fully formed through other people's imagination about how we should spend our time, Um, What does it mean to be a father? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to um, work and be successful? Um, How we should spend our time, social media. There's just all the ways in which we could talk about that I think um, take away from our own imagination. Um, That others, uh, it comes fully formed. You don't need to be creative. Um, But then there's a real loss of self. I think that happens in, in that.
0: I I really appreciate what you're saying about that, you know, that third pillar, if you will, of honoring the self and that voice. And especially, you know, someone like you who is, you know, successful, you're a partner with your firm at Bridgewater, you are a father of three, you're engaged, you're active in the, your community and with your friendships, and you're I mean, you're out you're out there doing things. And to have the opportunity to honor your voice and identity in all of that and to express yourselves in ways that use the word weirdly, I would say uniquely, that are really unique to you. And in today's world, I feel like, feel like, doesn't mean it's reality, that I feel like if we're not going along with a mass rhetoric or a mass collective Voice, then there could be something quote-unquote wrong with us. So the weirdly is an interesting word to me because I really, really appreciate um, where you went with just honoring the unique voice that you have and the
1: opportunity that you engage it through your poetry. I try. I would say um, I struggle. And I think there's days I struggle well and there's ways like, days I struggle poorly. Um, but it's like that, it's a process, um, never getting, um, to any particular place that I find is very, um, empowering and, and weird to me isn't a very endearing word. Um, I know it can be used in many contexts, but I, I love being weird. I love that cracking. I love the, you know, the unfurling and coming out in a different place that I think is just beautiful and that we restrict and inhibit so much of that in each other, in our relationships. And often we take on the voice of, the critical voice of others. And we carry that on with ourselves in ways that I find poetry helps me crack.
0: When I hear you say that, I think of that cracking open of the cocoon of a butterfly, you know, and that release, that beautiful
1: release. So very cool. Yeah, and maybe I could... Um, you know, share some poems or parts of poems and and later, you know, read one of my own. Um, and, and I think it's examples of poems that strike me. And they don't necessarily need to be poems that strike others. Um, you know, one thing that I've done that I love to do is, and I think others do it with music, they do it with other th- ways and means and poetry is just mine is that when i read a poem or in this case or listen to a song i can sometimes read something that really strikes me just grips me and i can again see somebody at another time in another place another culture another um context um that speaks to me. And I will save those poems. I save it. I put it in my phone, like very practically put it in my notes. Um, but then I, I remember the turn of phrase that struck. There's usually a, a moment that just struck me. And then I collect those. I collect them up. I curate them. And what then I can do for myself is when I'm feeling alone, sad, happy, Um, and I have my own thoughts and feelings and experience and can, can think about it, but I can also draw on these poems, um, and feel less alone Mm -hmm. in those moments, um, Mm -hmm. where even when you're with friends, even when you're with loved ones, they don't always, they're not inside with you, right? That we're, we're still separate. And sometimes these voices are inside with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so even though I can be with loved ones um, and still feel alone and read a poem about what it's like to be alone Mm -hmm. and somebody says something in it that connects. Um, And so having that curated list, I think people do that all the time. We have our Mm mixtapes. We have our, right, all of these other ways in which we carry um, moments with us. Um, Or maybe a moment when you heard a song and you remember where you were and what you felt at that time. I do that with poems. I can, I can go and draw on those and find a particular day and where I was at that time. And, you know, what was I reading?
0: For humans, that shared identity is so important, you know, um, for Native people, for really all people. And um, uh, that concept of shared identity, I think from the human realm is, is, is powerful, um, I would love f- for you to share if, if you would like with the listeners, any of the inspirational pieces of, you know, um, beautiful poetry, um, what inspires you, what you would, um, like to gift and share today, or talk about your own poetry. In um,
1: Sure. Well, maybe let me share a poem sure. and we can talk about it a little bit. Um, I've got a couple of here. I'm trying to also pick ones that are shorter, um, um, and just read it and maybe even just be here and together with the poem um, and love to hear your thought about um, some of these. And I'll, I've also picked a couple that um, are more commonly known. Right. And so people may know it already. Um, but if one hasn't heard it before, um, maybe they would really enjoy it. So the first poem is called uh, The Peace of Wild Things. Uh, it's by Wendell Berry, a wonderful poet. When despair for the world grows in me, I wake in the night at the least sound In fear of what my life and my children's lives may be I go and lay down where the wood drake rests And his beauty on the water And a great heron feeds I come into peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting for their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free.
0: That's beautiful. I love that play on the word peace of wild things or peace, P-I-E-C-E. P-E-A-C-E, because it's really um, can be interpreted different ways.
1: It's really interesting. I love this poem. It's a poem that I can carry around at times. I have three children and can carry around sometimes uh, the despair for the world that grows in me. right? As I think about um, my children and my children's lives and what that will be like in the world and can have anxiety. Like, I feel that moment.
0: Real.
1: Um And just this, this poem is, you know, just being in the world. You know, go lie down, right, where the wood drake rests. To me, um, finding peace, right, of wild things. Being, we're not trying to change it. Um, we're here in it. Um, and it can be beautiful.
0: And the serenity of the unknown, you know, how many times have people stood on a harbor or on a beach and you can look in one direction standing in the same place and there will be concrete castles or hotels or, you know, Manhattan and you turn around and you look out into the water and it's a whole different perspective that um, you're not there but it's calming and yet it's still unknown. So that uh, serenity... Uh, and the potential, and really it speaks to a sense of um, optimism and faith that where you're standing, there's so many different, you know, ways of looking at it. Beautifully said.
1: Um, yeah, And I think it's one, that's a poem too that many people can identify with. Um, and there's many out there like that. They're not all deep, metaphoric, impenetrable, poems. Um, You know, they're things that we can fold up and put in our pockets. Right. So maybe another one? Yes, please. Um, And this one is um, very different. Um, It's another poem I carry with me um, and take out and sometimes when I say carry with me, not only will I um, carry it on my phone and have I've I've got thousands and thousands of poems on my phone um, that I carry and keep with me, but I will sometimes write it down and I will put it in the back of my phone case and pull it out. And I love having the physical right. piece of, of paper, the physical poem. So this one is called Lake and Maple. It's by a wonderful poet, Jane Hirschfield. Um, she can be very um, zen-like in, in her poems, but also can have a lot of passion. I want to give myself utterly to this maple that burned and burned for three days without stinting, and then in two more dropped off every leaf. As this lake that no matter what comes in its green-blue depths both takes and returns it. In the still heart that refuses nothing, the world is twice born, two earths wheeling, two heavens, two egrets reaching down into the subtraction. Even the fish for an instant doubled before it is gone. I want the fish. I want the losing of it all when it rains. I want the returning transparency. I want the place by the edge flowers where the shallow sand is deceptive, where whatever steps in must plunge. I want the ones who come in secret to drink only in early darkness. And I want the ones who are swallowed. I want the way the water sees without eyes, hears without ears, shivers without will or fear at the gentlest touch. I want it the way it accepts the cold moonlight and lets it pass. The way it lets all of it pass, without judgment or comment. There is a lake, no larger than one seed of mustard that all things return to. O heart, if you will not, cannot give me the lake, then give me the song.
0: I can't help but think of um, several tribal cultures that, you know, that honor, you know, their geographic identity and the maple and the cycles of life that have provided, you know, identity, you know, from the beginning of time, their creation and that um, embrace of what life means in in all of its complex ways. That's really beautiful and powerful. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's a poem for me that's um, really being all in and carrying the sort of passion of life. And the world is twice. The world is there and the world is in me. And I want to carry the world. Um, I want to plunge. I want to sort of be out in it. Um, and I want to be with others, right. That, um, come in secret to drink, right. Um, that, um, who are swallowed, right. The way, but doing so without judgment, right. Um, without judgment in the way the cold moon, uh, light shines and lets all pass. Um, I just find this is beautiful, um, and is wonderful and is really, uh, like a deep, um, sort of in-your-bones passion.
0: Right, and then uh, cyclical. I mean, the way cells renew, the way a day renews, with the cycle of the moon, the cycle of the day, um, the cyclical experience of the past, the present, what the future has to bring,
1: the continuum of our experience and the continuum of life. Yeah, beautifully said. And so, you know, these are examples of things that I just, you know, feel like a collector and love to collect up. Um I like that. And and they each also have turns of phrases that I that I like. Um and I think it could be different for um for each person. And so, like for me as an example of this, I love to carry around the phrase, I want the fish. When, for me, when I think I want the fish, it, it comes with the meaning of this full poem and the passion and all of the things and approaching it um, in in this way that we're talking about. And so uh, to be able to draw on these things, um, I find to be a deep, rich source of of um, energy and power and um, and and somebody who in this case jane who sat down some decades ago and had some feeling or some emotion and expressed it and felt compelled in the need, um and in the power that that can bring um to each other because i think at the end of the day for me all we have is each other right
0: i think of that process too and you say you know years ago she you know um but also the poet, who they return, you know, oftentimes, and it's the it's that right word and the process that is really so special and um, can be mysterious and beautiful and awe inspiring, and it's really been terrific to see your journey really evolve as a as a poet. Thank you.
1: One of the things that I think poetry has is- has helped me um, see is you know my own creativity Mm -hmm. and my own imagination as something that I used to squeeze out and critique and not let come through and and then instead to see our lives as um, a work of art right and there's many ways to see our lives right? Um, I'm a father. I'm a professional. There's ways to see what is success, ways to see, you know, looking back and is it all, was it all worth it? And we can ask ourselves these questions, but um, those aren't the questions of what a work of art asks um, and how we see art and how we think about art. And I think for me being, it brings a gentleness um, to think of myself as a work of art and see myself and see others as a work of art, um, that is, um, expressing. And then I can see the same concept differently. Um, what does it mean to be a father? Right. And instead of bringing in what the world I think has given me in my community, in my space, um, and it's not that it was wrong or bad, but it's just a way of seeing what it means to be a father Um, That then one can um, think differently and express and create and um, really see oneself um, differently um, and more lovingly and more openly. um, That gives, um, gives space.
0: Well, oftentimes the language that we have to express ourselves in our society today really lends to creating labels or silos of identity. And I think we really are dynamic as human beings, and I really appreciate what you're saying and honoring that.
1: So maybe I'll share. One I more. would
0: love to hear another, and I want to hear one of yours as well, please.
1: We will, we will. I, this next poem, um, it is on the surface, I think it 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 speaks to the reader, um, but it is one that some may find a little more impenetrable. Um, but I'd love to talk about afterwards what it, what does it mean to me. and and um, But I think this is a great example of a poem that I just really love to carry around. It's called The Poems of Our Climate. It's by Wallace Stevens, I think one of the great American poets of all times. Clear water in a brilliant bowl, Pink and white carnations, The light in the room, More like a snowy air reflecting snow. A newly fallen snow at the end of winter when afternoons return. Pink and white carnations. One desires so much more than that. The day itself is simplified. A white bowl. A bowl of white. Cold. A cold porcelain. Low and round with nothing more than the carnations there. Say even that this complete simplicity stripped one of all one's torments, concealed the evilly compounded vital eye that made it fresh in a world of white, a world of clear water, brilliant edged, still one would want more, one would need more, more than a world of white and snowy scents. There would still remain the never-resting mind. So that one would want to escape, come back to what one had been so long composed. The imperfect is our paradise. Note that in this bitterness, delight, since the imperfect is so hot in us, lies and flawed sounds and stubborn words. It's a beautiful poem. Thank you. It's a poem that I return to often. You know, the, the real phrase in there that catches me and I think that catches most to sit with it for a little while is the imperfect is our paradise. Um, I think that's so beautifully said. And I love the imagery in the poem. Right. The imagery in the poem, it comes in three sections. The first section where it was talking a lot about the water, the bowl the carnations, the snow, the air, um, really is describing, you know, like Zen flower arrangements. It's this moment of of zenness, It's this stillness. It's the oneness of everything. And many people can interpret that differently for themselves. But to really, in a moment of Zen, in a moment of, for some people, that might be heaven. It might be... Nirvana, whatever these things may be, things are still. Things are, they don't move. They don't need to move um, because they're in this moment of perfection. But then what the second part of the poem says is, even though that may strip you of all your torments to be in that place, that there's something lost and the lost is the vital I. You disappear the self, who you are in that full oneness. Because if you are one, there's not another. There's not yourself. There's just the one. And he's saying, man, that scares me.
0: Yeah, well, it's he's that, saying, that scares me. Right. Well, and think about what happens when you see that beautiful billowing snowflake floating, you know, angelically from the sky. And what happens when it hits concrete? What happens when it hits the ground? You know, and, it, and also think about that beautiful bowl. You know, that bowl wasn't always a bowl like the snowflake. It had to be fired and manipulated and has gone through heat. And the, the process by which it seems to be perfect, the illusion of its perfection is
1: really um, an illusion. That's right. And it is about... Um, I think if we put it in terms of perfection, um, I think people will identify more with the first part and what is it like to be in perfection? Um, and that he's saying, you know, one would want more, one would want so much more, the never resting mind, you know, that's been so long composed. Um, but don't worry, like the imperfect is our paradise. Not right. the perfection. Right. I love that. It doesn't you don't need to be, you know, perfect, um, or be in a perfect circumstance, or be in a perfect marriage, or be in a perfect right. company, or be in whatever it may be. Um, the oh imperfect the the imperfect, right? It's right. really the imperfect is our paradise. And what right. do we what do we do with that? And the imperfect is of this, it's so hot in us. Yeah. It's the imperfect is so hot in us, and our flawed words and stubborn sounds as we go about life, doing what we're doing, that you embrace it.
0: Right, right. I appreciate that. I think the listeners um, will too.
1: I'd love to hear one of your poems. Sure. This poem I'm picking um, is a poem that I wrote when thinking about, um, it was two weeks after, maybe one week after graduation, I got in my car and I left. Um, I left for Connecticut, but um, I think Broadly, it's fine just to leave it as I left. Um, And so this is a a, a poem I think I wrote when thinking about that. It's called uh, Once Held. I untie that line, dreams in my hand, now drifting from what steadfastly fastens. I haul the halyard lines in my hands as they burn set course to where. I look to the night sky, she doesn't look back. The empty sheet, the tiller, asks nothing of me, they long for prevailing winds. The fire within burns in my eyes, running lights, Ancestral star guiding my way to where. I'm cut adrift from life as planned. Whip the end. Hell is life in place. For my mind is the sexton of this night sky. My voice, the gale, my ears, the tolling nuns, my morrow, my map. I am the waves I sail. And there I find myself more beautiful and weird. Full and I am unmoored. That's beautiful. And so it's a poem for me that um, is about making a choice to untie that line and dreams in hand. And when one does such a thing, they feel very unmoored. Um, um, But at the same time, I needed to be unmoored. Right. And to find comfort in the night sky, not looking back.
0: Right. It's like warriors, you know. Um, there are songs about warriors that, you know, you only learn certain things. You don't really learn. It's already in you. It's that courage. It's that, you know. So it's we all I say this, but you know, in culture we talk about dream. I'm a dreamer, you know, we have dreams. But there's a real there's a real time when it comes from dreaming to doing. There's no map, there's no prescription but however, there's the anticipation, the sense of adventure, the fear, the anxiety, the intrepidation of venturing out beyond the dreaming to the doing. And um, we've all talked about sometimes you got a free fall, you know and um, and I, I identify with that throughout different periods of my life. And that's, a, that's an incredible poem. Thank you
1: for sharing. Yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share it. Absolutely. Yeah, I find that, you know, this poem for me um, and the other poems, it's really just us. It's, it's us and our experiences. And, you know, how do we want to take that in? And the more we... Um, build walls um, between each other. Um, the less that we are willing to read each other um, and pay attention to the nuances and the inflections in each other, that um, we we um, find ourselves apart. Yeah. And the more that one is willing to, you know, read another, mm-hmm. and the the ritual to read each other. Um, which is a poem. Uh, it's a great poem, by the way, the ritual to read each other, right. to have courage to see others and see how they were and then be willing to have the courage to express and be read, um, I think is beautiful.
0: It absolutely is. Yeah, no, I want to thank you for you know, staying connected and returning, you know, that relationship and the returning and the reconnecting, and I really hope, and I'm sure um, many of the listeners, the listeners uh, would aspire to learn more about your poetry. Are you, do you have plans for publishing or, or, um, or uh, putting them online, some of your poetry, if anyone would like to follow
1: your poetry at any point? I haven't at this point. Right. Um, my friends encourage me to. Right. Um I really at the moment it's just been it's my doodle it's my mm-hmm. thing it's my jam it's where love it. I need to be I love it Um but yeah I think that's that's the next yeah. stage is to really put it out there in the world Well, we'd love to have you come back onto the show um, anytime
0: you're here to share. And I want to thank you so much for the gift of poetry, the gift of your friendship, and for sharing with us today on Timber People. Thank you, Aaron Seymour. Thank you, Jaina. Yakoki, thank you for joining us. Timber People is brought to you by the Possibilities Podcast Platform.